Hello. Hello. How are you? I am so focused. Would you also say that you're free? <laughs> well, you know, thankfully, it's the focus that helps me experience that freedom that Jesus has already given me at the cross. That really didn't take long for you to segue into that. No. <laughs> well, we only have 10 minutes, so it's probably a good So you got to get right to you it, you know. Right and we got to work in our pointless and absolutely banal, uh, <laughs> or, or banal as I would normally <laughs> say it, uh, pop culture references that mean That's nothing in Bane's son yeah. from Batman. That's right. Anyway. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have 10 Superman minutes to Kal-El. it. Superman was kal Bane's son is bane Did Superman I, have a son? No. Okay. Can Superman have a son? Yes. He actually does in the comics, but that's, that's a whole another podcast. other continuity and canon that I don't respect, so I move on. Whoa. Yeah, I'm stuck in the Silver Age. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus, the true Superman. Hey, I was going to say that. <laughs> who is indeed the son. Uh, so we're, you know, we're in Acts chapter 4 and we're moving forward in this. We, it took us a very short period of time to cover these four chapters, but now in the, in the back half of chapter 4, we're kind of slowing down a little bit to look at a smaller piece that really is the, the continuation or the, the ending of the story we looked at last week as Peter and John uh, healed this lame beggar. They get arrested, they get um, taken to jail and told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they say, I don't think that's going to work for us. We don't really have a choice. We know too much. We can't be quiet about it. So the, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, Sadducees, the, the high priest's family, the, the ruling group there, um, threaten them, get rid of them. They can't really do much at this point because everybody in Jerusalem knows that they've perform this great and marvelous uh, miraculous sign or as the uh, as the amplified bible calls it attesting miracles which i think is probably the greatest phrase related to that that i've heard in a while and and so as they're as they're turning them loose they they should go okay go and don't don't preach in this name anymore don't do anything else so on their release, uh, they go back to their people. That's kind of where we pick up the story. We're going to look at the end of Acts chapter 4, which in some ways uh, parallels the end of Acts chapter 2. So mm-hmm. there, there are these pillars here that we see uh, in these stories. So, and that's kind of a summary uh, of with everything that's happened, where are we now? And so um, we see with Peter and John uh, a particular priority that they have here. Uh, in verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So the thing that struck me right out of the gate, and this is a theme of the book of Acts, is the togetherness of the church. There is, It's not, you know, me and Jesus got our own thing going. I've right, got my right. faith. It's a personal faith right. and I do my thing. There is a constant connection to one another. The church is, is so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I don't really want to say committed because it's it's deeper than that. Commitment is is that choice to stay, and there is that, but it's deeper than that. It's commitment plus affection plus the just the the taking for granted of one another that you're here for me and I'm here for you, and, and there is no other real valid way of doing life other than to be together, and that's the picture we have of the church in the Book of Acts. So right out of the gate, uh, as soon as they get released. The first thought for Peter and John is is not, oh my goodness, we've escaped, right. or you know, 
what's the next mission. It's let's go back to our people. So the first thing they do is they go back uh, to, to those who are their own and they report what's going on. So when they when they report the first instinct of the of the gathered disciples there this growing number just a couple of chapters ago we had 120 add 3000 and now uh, here in this in this healing uh, and and preaching now now that you're up to 5000 so I don't know how many of them are are gathered I would assume that it's more the Galilean group the apostles and and those who are earlier or nearer to it and the rest of these folks in this cosmopolitan city are going back to their own people which would seem to be why as luke writes it he says peter and john went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them their first instinct in verse 24 is when they heard this they raised their voices together in prayer to god and again this is a theme throughout acts it's a theme throughout the church and should be one of the hallmarks of the church even today is that we pray together, that, that we are committed, uh, yes, consciously, actively committed, but that our first instinct becomes to pray and to pray together. That it's not just you know the, the personal individual prayers that, that we have at home. Yes, that, but that I, I got to get with my people the people of God gathered and pray together and earnestly and intensely lift up our voices. There's a picture of this uh, this unison raising of one voice, many many voices, but one together as they're as they're praying in this way. Just a, as a side note here, that's when you're talking about that. I know from personal experience, and I've seen it with others. A lot of people are uncomfortable doing that. My, myself included at times. I've gotten better about it over the years, but I, I, I have a much easier time sure. subconsciously saying to myself, I'm just going to, you know, it's my relationship with God. I'm going to pray and blah, blah, blah. I have a much more difficult time praying, even in my own church family. Why do you think that is? What, I was going to ask you that. What, what do you suppose I think it's, feel, it's um, a lot of uh, humanness. We don't want maybe others to... I want to say know our business, but know our business. Uh, but we seem can, to be fairly comfortable sharing those right. things to, for others to right, pray. Right, right. So we, we, we're not afraid so much of the content. There's also, I think, a, a maybe an underlying fear of doing it wrong, uh, not not necessarily saying the right thing. And when I'm, when I'm praying at home, I don't think about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I just kind of... So there's a self-consciousness. Sure, that, right. That and I think that's just a very humanistic thing we don't want people to think we're saying the wrong thing or messing up or yeah. whatever i mean, that's my take on it i don't know if you have a different take on it no i think <laughs> i think that's very much right i think we we become self-conscious about our prayers and how we sound to other people and i think this passage actually goes a long way toward addressing that because that's exactly the opposite of what's happening actually so far in the book of acts that's the opposite of everything that's happening right. they're they're self-aware in that they, they know they belong to Christ. Mm -hmm. They know their frailties. They know their shortcomings. But they're much less self-conscious because who cares? Right. All I care about is Jesus. I'm walking in regular, constant awe of God. And so when Peter and John you know, go, they, they encounter this lame beggar in, in the passage that we just read uh, last week. They, they encounter this guy. And for a lot of us, we might be thinking, well, I wonder if I should 
do something here. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe I try to give them alms because that's compassionate, right? I'm going to give them some money and take care of them. Uh, otherwise, I might run away. But <laughs> with the compassion of Christ makes me want, you know, I'm going to help them. Maybe right. give them some money. But if we happen to think, I wonder if God wants to do a miracle in their lives. I wonder if I should pray with them. We might start to become self-conscious and kind of balk at that and, and step back. But they don't. Now, in a previous time, before encountering Christ the way they have, having seen his resurrection, his ascension, being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, before this all takes place, they may have been in that same boat. I'm thinking, I wonder if Jesus is going to heal them. Right. But I'm not willing to step out and put myself in that place, I guess. or be uncomfortable with, you know, what if I what if I don't do this right? What if not I mess only it that, up? But I think maybe also, especially in these instances where you don't know that person or you yeah. you don't know if they're a Christ follower, there's also a, a fear of judgment. Right. And I know that all of these things. They didn't. John and Peter didn't have that when they were, you know. They didn't care. Right. And and that's really what what, but what we happens sure do. in so much of this, and we see it really in this last portion of the chapter from from 23 to whatever it is 36 or 37 whatever it is uh, when we when we get into here they no longer care right they just don't care what and anybody thinks and that's so opposite i feel yeah. of everything today <laughs> like with social media and whatever yeah. we care so much right. about how we're viewed well and that seems to kind of play out here the, the explanation to why yeah. And I think that's the question we always have to ask. Why do I feel that way? Why am I doing this? Why does this matter? Why, you know, when we were talking, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about your... Cat bandanas. <laughs> talking about cat bandanas <laughs> and your writing and, and, and how that plays out. And one of the questions that I have to ask myself is, why is it worth it to these companies to, to pay for this? Well, you know, what, what makes this worthwhile? Why does a company buy advertising for the Super Bowl when it's ridiculously expensive? So there, there's always a reason behind it. Why do, you know, why does Congress do what they do? There is always, even one. though it doesn't always seem like there's a <laughs> That's reason, a good one. there is always a reason. And right. when we understand what's happening, that can go a long way toward, toward directing the steps going forward. And I think here, as we look at it, the things that, that become really clear to us in just the natural reading of this and hopefully we'll be able to develop this more on Sunday, is that as as they get more and more clarity about the reality of Christ, and they begin to cling to Christ more tightly, they begin to hold on to everything else more loosely. So they no longer care what anybody thinks. We belong to one another because we all belong to Christ. we got a situation, let's pray. But they're not even praying for deliverance. I mean, that's the thing that, that strikes me is they're not they're not praying for protection. They're not praying for deliverance. They're praying, Lord, hear their threats. You know what's happening. You've always known what's happening. They're actually doing your will without knowing it. So help us to be bold in preaching the gospel. Then we see this summary at the end, verses 32 and following, that talks about how they're all in one accord, so much so that they don't even care about their possessions doesn't even matter. I'll sell my property if that's what it takes to take care of, of my fellow believers. So there are no poor among the believers. Uh, no, Well, not poor sliding scale. There were none who went without, none who were needy, because they're all taking care of one another. It's not that they, you know, just 
took, you know, sold out to, to socialism or communism right, or some right, kind right. of a uh, construct like that. That's not what it is. It's personally deciding that Jesus matters more than anything. And because you belong to him, you belong to me. Therefore, my focus on Christ frees me from the trappings of anything in this world. I don't care about what happens to me. I don't care about what people think of me. I don't care about my stuff. I just care about expressing my faith through love. And that's the picture of the church and needs to be the picture of the church now if we get our eyes off of ourselves and on Christ. And we will stop there and we will, like you just said, uh, dive more into this and the message on Sunday and we can talk more about it next week. Awesome. All right. Thanks, you guys.